Hello and welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, and I am joined on this, um, it's a lovely September morning, I'm joined on the virtual front porch by my colleague and neighboring, Adam Barlow Thompson. Hey, good neighbors. And yeah, it is, the weather is lovely, but there's a dense fog over America, Matt. Did you notice? I... It was a fog or smoke. Um, <laughs> I, it, it's an emotional something. Yeah, over yeah, America. Um, and the reason is because it's September thirtieth when we're recording this, and that means the this is the morning after the first presidential debate uh, with Joe Biden and Donald Trump. If you haven't heard by the time you're listening to this. Then it you probably a, don't want to know. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It was, it, but, but here's what I really think happened is it was like a mirror to what's where our electoral system is really at. Yeah. And, and that's the scariest part about it is like, it's, we're, it's not good. Like we're in a bad spot. Yeah. Here's just, here's what I want to say about last night's debate is just watching it. And I made myself watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've run two half marathons and they were, it was easier to do both of those than it was to make myself sit through the whole debate. <laughs> and uh, I, I was like disturbed and like Im- physically like shaking throughout the whole thing. It was, it was so disturbing. Um, And so that's why, I mean, I'm sharing that because then I am actually excited for us to have this conversation uh, and, and to talk about our perspective and what we've been experiencing, because when the debate was over last night, we had some conversation um, in our house about what we had just witnessed. (laughs) And at at first, yeah, like felt horrible, but then Mm -hmm. as we were processing and applying what we've been learning at the neighboring movement, I got to a better place. And by the time I went to bed, Mm -hmm. I was like, there's a long road ahead, Mm -hmm. but I can see the path. Yeah. So that's, yes, that's where I'm at this morning. And I think that's a, that that you're naming exactly something that I've heard from a lot of people where they say, I just don't know what to do. Mm. And the reason I think that sentiment is so strong is because people know that participating in an election is not going to solve the problem. Like they know that doesn't matter who's elected. The problem is far deeper than the 2020 presidential election or any other election on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is where it's, it's complicated because we both have to engage in this electoral system while also knowing that it is not the solution to the problems that we're facing. And yeah. so one of the th- reasons that we, I think, have hope, Matt and I and the neighboring movement team, is because we've found a way to engage that we do feel like actually makes a much bigger difference than any presidential debate or election. Um, and, it, and I think I want to just kind of walk them through kind of a journey that we've been on in thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And it started 
I think it was like early summer of 2020 when we were having a conversation with one of our mentors, John McKnight, who we've interviewed for the podcast several times and is an amazing person. And so Matt's going to share kind of his, what John told us that, that really started, I think for me at least opening my mind to how to think about electoral politics in America. John really caught me off guard with this. We were talking about civic engagement. And I, I don't know about you, but like all I ever hear is like, hey, you got to get out there and vote, right? We've got mm -hmm. to vote. And so like, that's the primary message. And we're talking to John who has a long history of experience of community organizing and civic engagement very bipartisan. I want to emphasize that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, the way that our system, and I'm paraphrasing, so he said, you know, the way that our system is currently built, we, have you noticed after every election, we turn half of the country into the losers? And, and it was like, oh, yeah, right. I, I mean, mm -hmm. and I think that harms us deeply. And then, like, as if that wasn't <laughs> enough of a shock he said and the the other thing is when when we vote we just we assume that we've given all of our power to the the whoever gets elected right. we we give all that away we keep none of that we keep none of our own power as residents of this country who can actually help shape what we do and it was like oh because i you know, there's just that feeling of like, well, we got to make sure people vote. And then here was John kind of dismantling that as like, hey, by the way, that's, that's partially an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, wait, what? <laughs> no, I think what it does, though, is it, is it puts this in perspective, because there is this like, um, narrative that's being floated out there that like, this is the most important thing. And if you don't if we if you if your side doesn't win then we're all going down right yes. and that's bullshit like yeah. Yeah. like that's that hyping of your vote being the most important thing you could do to be uh, influence your community or to to um take your power and and make a difference that is mm -hmm. bullshit and so yeah. i want we want to like say like you need to go vote because the system the electoral system is like a festering wound. And if you don't pay attention to it, it will infect everything. Mm -hmm. And so you have to pay attention to it like a problem because it is a problem mm -hmm. um, that will come and get you. But it's also not the solution. You can't solve that problem with the problem. You got to find a solution too. So, so we have to engage politically that way. And we also have to find another solution. So I, since that conversation with John, I've been like on this journey and I've been reading like mad these books. And I just wanted to like, I got these books right here and I just want Matt, can you just tell them the colors of my books? Oh my goodness. It's red. One is red, one is white, and one is blue. <laughs> Aren't they so American? 
<laughs> my books are Americana like crazy. So, um, but I wanted to tell you about these books and I'm going to share them in the order that I've been reading them. And I'm they're They are incredibly dense, like very heady books. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase like crazy and, and I'm going to do a terrible job of giving you a good summary, but, but they've all really helped me feel like, Oh, I see why I see a way forward. And like, spoiler alert, the way forward is neighboring. Um, what? <laughs> I know, I know, weird. <laughs> um, but the, At least that's part of the way forward, I guess. That's we part should. of the way forward. I don't think it's the only solution, but man, I think it could be really helpful. So, yeah. so the first one is The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. Uh, it's by Jonathan Haidt, and it, he's a social scientist, and what he did is he tried to get down to why is it that we can't talk to each other? Uh, and it's based on all this research. And basically what they found is that people form, they have this intuitive reaction to um, things around them that forms their moral like decision-making. And that intuitive moment is actually the thing that, that really makes their argument. And then all of, stuff that comes after that which he calls their reasoning is just stuff that we make up to defend that initial intuitive reaction that we have right okay and and those intuitive reactions happen because of like personality more than they do like what party you're in Mm-hmm. And it's just like you, it happens naturally. So like, let's give an example would be like right now, the, the uh, Supreme court justice being appointed, you yeah. know, uh, people have an intuitive reaction to that, whether it's wrong or whether it's right. And then they go out and they find all these arguments to back up the, mm. the intuitive reaction that they have. Okay. But what you see on Facebook, what you see on the news cycle, what you see in all of that is the arguments to back up the intuitive reaction. Mm -hmm. And nobody talks to actually that emotional moment that's at its core. Mm. And if you go to Facebook, it's just like all of these people having these, these reasoned arguments, but none of them are talking about that actual moment that helped form their decision. Mm -hmm. And he likens it to a metaphor he calls the rider and the elephant. So you imagine an elephant, an elephant is huge. It's going to go where it goes. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And the rider is going to be able to direct it some, but for the most part, the rider's just going to go where the elephant goes. And so um, he, he says, basically, we have to stop talking to each other's riders and we have to talk to each other's elephants. Mm -hmm. And the elephant is that emotional, it is the intuitive. It is the place where we connect on a, on a personal level, not on a reasoned level. Because you've seen it. I mean, even in the debates, in the moments where they weren't yelling at each other, they're coming up with very rational arguments with all of these points that neither one of them think are based in truth. You know, <laughs> And it's like, what, what's the point? Like, why are we having this conversation? Mm-hmm. And none of them are speaking to that, that elephant, the relational kind of piece of mm. it. So that was my first book that I read after I talked with John. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what to do with this, right? right? Yeah. How do I speak to the elephant then and not worry about getting into an all of a sudden political debate about whatever 
with my neighbor or with someone who I disagree with. The next book is Together by Vivek Murthy, who was the um, Surgeon General for uh, several years. And he there's just his he talks all about like the loneliness epidemic and how our political division is actually increasing the loneliness that we're experiencing in the world and it's actually like kind of um, cyclical where like loneliness is creating more division and divisions creating more loneliness yeah. and it sucks it's like a bad cycle we need to get out yeah. of but he mentions in in that book this one thing that i just totally was like oh that is so true and it's called the more or the um, motive attribution asymmetry, which is like stupid, fancy people words. But <laughs> um, but what it really means is that when we experience this motive attribution asymmetry, we believe that our beliefs are grounded in love, while our opponents' beliefs are based on hatred. Mm. So the he says in the book, this is a direct quote: studies. Um, found that the bias applies to Israels who believe they are fighting out of love for their people, while Palestinians are driven by hatred and vice versa. Yeah. The same bias infects both Democrats and re Republicans in America who believe that their own fervor is driven out of love for country while wondering while the other party hates them. Yeah. And, and it's like, so the first thing I have to do when my neighbor comes up to me with their writer making this argument is like recognize moral asymmetry yeah. and say, this person is not filled with hatred. Right. <laughs> as much as my brain wants me to believe that, yeah. they are not coming to me because they are a person filled with hatred. Mm. And so I have to, I have to assume abundance in my neighbor mm -hmm. and say they actually have good intentions yeah. their values are not corrupted they love their country they love their neighborhood the same way mm -hmm. i do yeah. yeah yeah okay so so step one in this kind of neighboring civic engagement is it's it's the awareness or the noticing when, when am mm -hmm. i jumping on my elephant and just riding into that argument Yep. So, mm -hmm. so there's some some internal check. How do I how do I not jump on the elephant and stampede off into the isolation? Yeah. I need to stay present and notice. Okay, here's what's happening inside, and then realizing no, that opposing view is not rooted in mm -hmm. hatred. We both, my neighbor and I, come at this with genuine love and care for people right. in our community. Okay. So this is the third book, right? So this is this is um, Cormac Russell's Rekindling Democracy. Oh man, this book, <laughs> I it is like ripping my brain apart and putting it back together. It's so good. <laughs> That's a good thing. I don't know if okay, you have, okay. I want to emphasize Sounds that. terrible, but okay. <laughs> Sounds terrible, but it is awesome. So Cormac, who by the way will be on our podcast sometime next month, which I am so excited yeah. about says that what we have to remember is that the neighborhood is 
the smallest and most important unit of democracy. Mm. The neighborhood is the smallest and most important unit of democracy. And so the message of like the presidential debate in this election cycle is that the most important unit of democracy is the presidential office in the United States of America. False. False. <laughs> Untrue in so many ways. And in fact, not only false, it's like damaging false. Right. Like it's hurting so many people because we've made it into yeah. that. Mm. And in the minute that you that your neighbor comes at you and they want to talk about the uh, Supreme court justice position or any other thing on that, that scale, mm -hmm. it's, it's a trap. And like, mm -hmm. it will, it will be difficult to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm saying you have to have built a long relationship of trust before you're going to be able to go into that. Mm -hmm. And instead what I would want to do is focus on the the personal and on the neighborhood yeah and so when that person comes to me with that i would want to say here's what i here's if I, in a perfect moment when i didn't get hooked by it i would say wow what values or like what emotions do you have around this issue mm -hmm. and then i would let them i would listen truly listen to what what the values are that they're that they're are forming their opinions on. And then I would say, how can we apply that on our block right here? Yeah. What does that mean for these 15 homes on the 1100 block of Waco? Because all of a the sudden their values probably won't detest me anymore because their values are probably like good. Like they care about, you know, um, tradition and they care about like uh, um, being, you know, responsible over, over the duties that they've been assigned and all those kind of things. And I'd say, yeah, those actually, if I take that and I imagine them on my block are things that I want too. And so how do we make that, um, make that happen? I'm gonna chime in with one more book, actually one more author. Yeah. Uh, because I haven't read the book, but I, so, and I feel like this, this dovetails into your last point about like, what, how do we do this on our block? Like, okay, based mm -hmm. on your values, what action do we take? Um, I was on a webinar, uh, I was watching a webinar that included Eric Kleinenberg, who's the author of Palaces for the People. Um, and in fact, mm -hmm. one of our previous episodes, Catherine summarized, gave some highlights from that book. It's, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Kleinenberg made the point that in his most recent book, that the way that we uh, shape culture is by building things together. And he didn't elaborate like on scale, but in my mind, I was thinking of the block. And so when we think about changing the culture of America and trying to do that through the White House, Right. Like you can just see why that's not going to work. Uh, it's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> but if I think about what can I do with my neighbors, what can my neighbors and I build together based on our values and what we think is important and our gifts, what we enjoy doing, then I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Right. Because like my neighbors who have a range of of political values, like we've all acknowledged 
we really appreciate getting together and like being together, sharing some food maybe, and sharing some music. And, and so like we've been doing these backyard uh, six foot, we did one backyard six foot sing along. Um, that was something we built that we did that together. And that is building the culture of our block. And that's the beginning of a different way of existing than like the path that our country is currently on. I think I can safely say. Yep. Um, so anyway, I, so I want to give that example just because it's really small and it'd be easy to overlook mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're pulling together values. We're engaging in compassionate conversation and ultimately shaping culture. Like if you get, I've gotten it into this episode, I hope that you have a little more hope than at least the night after that you watched uh, the debate. Um, <laughs> but, but in ultimately what we're trying to say is like, you should vote. You should vote because our electoral system needs a big old band-aid and voting is part of that band-aid. Yes. But it, it doesn't solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be part of the solution, then you have to own and cultivate the power on your own block with your neighbors. Because if, if we all did that, we would be a lot farther along. And this is gonna be a long haul too. Like this is a generational problem right. that we have now started to identify. Um, and hopefully we'll start working on a little more intentionally. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because I was thinking it, but I feel like I'm always the one who has to like bring us down uh, so I'm glad that you did that, but yes, it is a long haul and engaging with our neighbors is so much more life-giving. Like it can be intimidating to get started, but it's really life-giving and especially compared to like watching a presidential debate, which is not, at least for me, was not life-giving. So it's a long haul, but it's very life-giving. So let's start, let's get started. Well, friends, thank you for joining us on the front porch and for processing with us. Um, and uh, I hope this has been helpful. And if it has been, then I hope that you will share it with other folks and um, let us know about the resources that you're finding, the books that you're reading, because this is a time of important discovery and processing and um, finding a new way forward. So, um, yeah, so thank you for listening. You can learn more about our work by visiting www.neighboringmovement.org. And until next time, happy neighboring. Happy neighboring. <laughs> <laughs>